What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. And today we have a special topic and an even more special guest, my good friend Mandy. What is up? Hello. Happy to be here. Yeah, so we've got a we've got a unique topic to cover today. And to make me feel more comfortable on this uniquely difficult yet extremely important topic, I'm wearing hander pants. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for wearing underpants, by the way. Yes, underpants for your hands. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I feel more comfortable in them. It's kind of like a security blanket, if you will. I feel like so, that's going to help, like, your palms sweat as we talk. So I think so. I, think so. <laughs> I hope it has some moisture-wicking technology on my underpants. I think so, definitely. I think yeah. Nike or maybe Adidas or Reebok, I don't know, one one of those companies has the fabric. I don't know if it's the same fabric or not, but probably probably even better. More high tech. I think so. So y'all, get get you some hander pants if you've got topics that are sometimes uncomfortable to discuss. It helps. Like so yes, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the topic we're going to cover today? Sure. So we're talking about all things, well, not all because I don't think that Kevin can handle it. But we're talking a lot of things postpartum. So postpartum fitness, postpartum healing, um, diastasis or diastasis recti. We're going to talk a little bit about nutrition. Um, pretty excited about it. I'm pretty, I'm actually just really excited to make Kevin uncomfortable. So. Hey, good luck. Like <laughs> that's kind of what we try to do to each other. You know, every time we see or talk to each other is yeah. who, who can who can make the other person laugh at an inappropriate <laughs> joke? Who can make the other person laugh or just feel uncomfortable? So we this should be great. I have um I started teaching this last semester, and uh, I had to remind students that it wasn't very long ago that I was in class typing messages back and forth with you during class <laughs> to see how inappropriate we could get during class and make each other laugh out loud during the mm-hmm. middle of lecture. Yes. So those were the days. Fun times. Now I tell my students, like, I know, I know what's going on. Don't be messaging each other during class because I will find out. Mm. That's right. I don't care that much, but Professor Mandy sounds like a real Yeah, that's mean doc- lady. You failed to call me Dr. That's right. Clark. Yeah, so I was gonna mention that too. So you just finished up your your dissertation defense. And yeah, so, um interesting kind of series of events I defended in early February and then um I was I guess that when I defended I was something like 32 weeks like I was I was pretty far along. I was huge it was hard to talk I was hot mm-hmm. or like little bitty heels and my back was killing me um but it was awesome I passed my uh dissertation defense and then a couple weeks later I guess a few weeks later uh, I, everything shut down for COVID. My boss texted me and said, you shouldn't come back. Like my mentor said, wow. you shouldn't come back in. He said, it's, I don't want you to, you know, be at risk. So stayed home. And then right as lockdown happened was, um, when we delivered. So he's been a quarantine baby. Nice. Has, hasn't seen a lot of faces. You know, every time we go out, everybody's <laughs> faces covered. What? Yeah. Sure. What is going on with these people? 
<laughs> That's too funny. So he's five months uh, yesterday, two days ago, I guess. So he's barely yes. five months old, and I'm definitely still in the middle of postpartum recovery. So mm-hmm. still, um, I'm only, see, I gained 50 pounds with my pregnancy, so I gained, I gained a lot mm-hmm. um, without really eating like crazy. I wish I would have eaten crazier. Uh, I wasn't the person that craved a lot of uh, fast food or anything. I craved fruits and salads and normal stuff. Yeah. Um, Do you like have any weird combinations like like pickles and ice cream or no? I really didn't. I was not a very exciting uh, or adventurous pregnancy food person. So I ate pretty normal. Ate kind of what I typically do. Still put on a pretty decent amount of weight, um, but I had a lot of thyroid issues throughout pregnancy, so I had to be put on uh, thyroid medication and stuff. So I think that had probably a little bit to do with it, too. Mm -hmm. And then once kind of lockdown hit and COVID started kind of increasing, I didn't work out quite as much. So I, I don't think I worked out, but maybe one day a week, my all through my third trimester. So wow. up through my second, I worked out a lot, um, mm-hmm. maybe one or two days a week um, during my third trimester. But I also was defending my, getting ready to defend my dissertation, teaching a class, uh, teaching a couple of classes. Mm-hmm. Well, so there was a lot going on, and so workouts. Pretty full I, plate. Yeah, exercise kind of fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. So what? What kind of like? What did your training look like during pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Um, lighter weight for sure. Um, until well, when my stomach started stretching. So when I started like feeling the separation, when I started having pain, uh, during exercise through my abdomen and felt stretching, I decreased my weight a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mostly did lighter weights and circuits. Like I turned to more like kettlebell work, um, mm-hmm. a lot of single leg work for my hips. Um, and then tons of upper body stuff, but anything that I could to move my whole body Mm -hmm. at once I did. Um, I still did a little bit of Olympic lifting, just really, really, really light. Um, lots of squats, lots of lunges, stuff like that. Did you do any threading the needle or any special plyometrics? No, no special plyometrics for sure. I I tried to thread the needle once, but. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> no, no. I uh, if you're not careful, threading the needle could get you pregnant. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that could happen. Yeah, you you see somebody do that at the gym, and you know one thing leads to another. And then then you're done. Um, That's then right. also kettlebells, all that kind of stuff when I could. But again, yeah. that thing was more than probably 20 minutes, and that was due to time constraints of just being busy. Um, and almost no cardio. Cardio is so overrated. Maybe like the steps on the stepper with a little kicks in the back. (laughs) Just kidding. I didn't do that. Any jazzercise or step class or. No, this is as close as I got to jazzercise. It's the jazz hands. You need (laughs) some of these for jazz hands. Um, yeah, that's, uh. I, I, I can honestly say that I genuinely believe cardio is just overrated. And, like, I'm coaching a cross-country team now, and I can still say that. I mean, I don't think it's true at say. certain levels, but I can still say it. You can say it as much as Without you. having to believe it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, 
let's uh let's dive on into the you know to the stuff that people are probably not prepared for because um i mean why sugarcoat it like the birthing process is not something that you can just you know yeah watch without fainting yeah so if I'm you sure. are if you are pregnant now fast forward just okay just fast forward so no you don't fast really know watch your videos go to your classes do your thing mm-hmm. um but just move on past this <laughs> <laughs> I was not somebody that like went to a bunch of birthing classes. I didn't do, you know, I watched a couple of like educational videos. Um, but that was a, about it. I figure I know physiology. I know how physiology works. I think I can make it through this without, you know, <laughs> without a lot of, of, of fluff. Yeah. So, um, and it's true. It is, it is a very, without going into like the birth story, um, it's a it's a traumatic process on on your body, and I was lucky to have a really great doctor. The whole like birthing experience for me was kind of like a a Disneyland kind of experience because I got there and it was like I said, COVID was locked down. I could only have my husband there. My mom wasn't allowed to be there, wow. um, but we had a really close family friend that had worked in the labor and delivery um, ward for years. Mm-hmm. So she set me up with like my my nurses, um, but they were all so supportive, so kind. I mean, they made the whole process just so much easier. Um, but during delivery, after delivery, even I think understanding where the right muscles are to push is a really big is a really big thing because mm-hmm. you've never used those muscles before in your life, right? Have you used them? No? I don't remember. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, there's something in my nail. I gotta pay attention to that real quick. Yeah. So you don't really. Sorry. Know what, go on. Until you get there. What'd you say? Yeah. I just said let's let's continue. Go on. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I remember you had talked to me a little bit when we when I was uh, training. You were like, you should just train those muscles like a piston, like breathe <laughs> and push and kind and just of shoot you know, that thing that out and just like oil it up. Boom shoot them out catch them reload go again (laughs) yeah for real (laughs) but that helped a lot so um being able to train so i I trained a lot of um pelvic floor during exercise uh during pregnancy so uh so when i would do a squat i would breathe deep into the pelvic floor i would you know get all of those muscles and at least activate them during pregnancy Mm -hmm. and and that was really really hard like that, that was a tough thing and a tough connection to make. And now I really understand why it's because, right. All those muscles that those fibers that typically look like this look like this, yeah, maybe this. And we're talking yeah. about individual muscle fiber situation, not just your abdominal wall. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're past the actual like contraction and forceful contraction length tension relationship. So it's really hard to even contract. Get them to fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can touch them. I think like there are times during exercise that I could feel them and I could kind of feel them grip and then they were gone. Yeah. They're so probably going to fatigue really fast too. Yes. Not a whole lot of activation there and definitely not a whole lot of force mm-hmm. that can be, that can be generated. 
Um, so I feel like that helps me a lot during, um, during labor and delivery. Um, I had a very, uh, I guess, uh, stubborn cervix. My cervix wouldn't really, wouldn't open in order to really start the process. Uh, so mm -hmm. for the amount of time that I pushed, I think it ended up being like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, it went pretty fast. It went pretty fast. So, um, so I was really thankful for that. And my doctor was, you know, with it enough to help me. She knows my background and knows me well enough to say like, okay, you're going to activate here. I mean, you're going to push. Mm. So she could actually, you know, like we do in personal training, like you're going to activate your pec. It's, it's right here, you know, yeah. and activate. Um, she That's had a really cool. good job teaching me where to activate. Um, despite the epidural, you know, you've got <laughs> heavy sedation mm -hmm. as well. Um, she could show me how to activate it and push. So because of that, I think I pushed so hard without knowing, you know, exactly where I was pushing and how I was pushing. I had a lot of trouble, um, after delivery, um, with, I think, it, I think it was prolapse. So until I got it cured, I did not have a formal diagnosis. Um, but I tried the wrap postpartum. Mm -hmm. uh, have you, uh, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, hoping you wouldn't they, ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, I just uh, ordered two off Amazon the other day. So. Well, it's just like the the little squeams, the little waist trainers that all the girls wear, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's have a few of those. Uh -huh. You have one at home, don't you? I've got a few <laughs> in, <laughs> case, in case one breaks. <laughs> Go one and a back. <laughs> Um, so it's a postpartum belt. So some people wear them like all the way up to like under the rib cage and through the okay. hip. So what it's made for is just, it tightens, like you cinch yourself down on it. Like you lie yeah. down, cinch it It's up. like a weightlifting belt, but for m more of your torso. Well, bigger. Yeah. And yeah. so the, and I really haven't seen any research around it. I think I sent you one article, mm -hmm. uh, that I found earlier today. But I haven't seen a lot of research on it to know whether it's beneficial or not. And even during pregnancy, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to wear that. I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of friends that have used them. Uh, when I wore it, it felt like from all of the pressure, it felt like everything from the inside was going to just fall out. <laughs> so I, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, I thought I was going to lose all my vital organs. And it was actually more painful to wear it yeah. down under then uh -huh. it was getting me in, <laughs> getting me the benefit of, yeah. of the compression. Yeah. So uh, the study that, I, that we found in there is, um, and we can, I guess, link it when you're done here. We sure I'm can. Sure people want to see it. Uh, so the study that I found showed that doing abdominal exercises, and I didn't look into what the exercises are, but we can probably um, look a little deeper into that. So mm -hmm. doing activation and um, strengthening isometric exercises actually produced greater benefit than wearing the, the wrap. Now, mm -hmm. the good news is, is that the wrap was, um, it did decrease, um, it decreased the abdominal separation that those women experienced. Uh, it helped the waist to hip ratio, it helped with some loss of body fat, but again, they just six weeks postpartum, you're going to lose some 
some body fat and body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did show some positive benefits. So it those were all statistically significant at the 0.01 level, right? And then the difference was that the abdominal exercises was at the 0.0001 level. So mm-hmm. much more significant, um, and they increased much greater in uh, torque, torso torque strength, mm-hmm. uh, isometric strength, and I don't remember what the other variable was, but the strength of the abdominals was just drastically different, obviously, than for the people that just wore the belt. And so these were females that they tested um, one day or two days after delivery, two days after delivery, and then six weeks postpartum. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting because that was one thing that I had a lot of people engage with me. It's like, is the, is the belt good? Is it not? Mm-hmm. And I think it would probably be even more beneficial for like a C-section. I would think yeah, that makes sense to me. That the C-section, uh, that after C-section, it would be much more beneficial to, to have a belt. C- I mean, I didn't have a C-section, but dang, that sounds scary to me. Like, I'm impressed if you can heal a C-section, if you think about how many tissues you have to cut through. It's a lot of layers. I mean, dump everything on top of you. Yeah. Because you have to go past your your gut to get to your uterus. Push it out of the way. Yeah. Slide that thing over here. Slide that thing over there. Get to it. I'm going to cut through five layers of things and get to a baby. Yeah. Oh. Baby on your stomach. That's one of the things I wanted to cover um, as we as we discuss uh, abdominal separation. And I guess we can get there, so I'll just I'll hold off. Sorry, continue. No, you're good. Go ahead. What is it? Oh, I was just gonna explain to to people like the three major layers of abdominal tissue. Do so, that. Wow, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. And if you're listening and you don't get to see the hander pants at work, then I feel sorry for you. Okay, so everybody is is familiar with the rectus abdominis. Like that's your your six pack muscle group. That's the that runs north and south. So that's attaching to the base of your pelvis, and then that runs up essentially to into the rib cage. So that's like north and south, right? So that's like this way. If you're viewing the hander pants, it's one of these. Glad you right. I can see your hands better now. Yeah, I think so. And then you've got the transverse abdominis, which is more east and west. And that's what um, it, it essentially travels the, the entire inside of your, um, of your torso, of your abdominal wall. And that's considered the anatomical weight belt. And that's extremely important for um, uh, generating intra-abdominal pressure and transferring force from the lower body to the upper body or vice versa. And uh, maintaining, in general, torso, um, not just torso stability, but um, I can't even think of the word that I'm looking for right now, but integrity, torso integrity, abdominal integrity. And then, so you've got rectus abdominis north north and south, you've got transverse abdominis east and west, like this. And then what's really cool is your obliques. You've got external and internal obliques, and those go in opposite directions, and they both go diagonally. So you've got, like, some going this way, some going that way. And that's super cool when you think about it. Exactly. So you've got all these muscles 
that are essentially in just in essentially every plane, right? We've got three planes of, of we exist in three planes of motion and then the abdominal wall is made up of muscles that work in all of those planes so that we can move three dimensionally and so that we can protect our vital organs and generate movement and stability and resist force and generate force and all that in three dimensions. So yes. all that to say, hand or pants, go. Hand or pants. Well, let's take that physiology lesson and now let's talk about the physiology of pregnancy or just the physiology of the effects of pregnancy on all those abdominal variations. So we talked about this because this is kind of one of my big struggles and something that I'm still dealing a lot with every day. So we talked about the stretch, right? So you've got the um, rectus abdominis that separate, actually. Mm -hmm. So now you got a big hole right in here. And then everything similar else. Similar to a hernia. Similar to a hernia, yeah, because you can have coning that comes through and doming that shoots out of your mm-hmm. abdominal wall there, and uh, that is dangerous. That is that is something to watch out for. That's something to kind of plan for. A lot of that has to do with intra-abdominal pressure, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go. But let's talk about first when you are pregnant. So. Your belly obviously gets bigger. You get a separation. Now you have a stretch in all of those muscles that we just talked about. So in all directions, you're getting a full stretch. And that is going to cause a lot of instability after delivery. Mm -hmm. So because those muscles have been so stretched, because you're dealing with weight gain, an altered kind of anatomical state, and the hormones that come with it, That is kind of the recipe for a disastrous, first of all, posture. Mm -hmm. So you and I talked about that. Do you want to talk about the the combination of anterior pelvic tilt, hip flexor, glute weakness, and stuff like that? Because that's your your area. For sure. Yeah, what's super interesting is I deal with that on an almost daily basis with endurance athletes. And uh, non-pregnant endurance athletes. Exactly, yes. So um, it's... It's a different, I guess, cause you could say, or initiating factor, but the, like the the outworking is essentially the same. Um, so, uh, you know, creating another person out in front of you tends to shift the pelvis forward anteriorly, and um, associated with that is a shortening of the hip flexors. And so as the hip flexors tilt, or as the pelvis tilts forward and the hip flexors shorten, the hip extensors, the opposing muscle group, have to, by nature, lengthen. And so those hip extensors include the glutes, uh, primarily the glute max and gluteus medius, but then also perhaps even some hamstring. Um, And so as those muscles are lengthened, they're actually inhibited because those hip, hip flexors on the front side are shortening and getting overly facilitated. So um, what's really interesting is what that also does is an anterior pelvic tilt can shut off your ability to fully contract and uh, stretch the diaphragm. And if you can't fully contract and stretch the diaphragm, then it's a whole lot harder to activate the muscles of the pelvic floor. So it's all connected. Right. So if you you can't 
if you're like stuck in that position, there's like this cascade of events that makes it much more difficult to, um, to turn everything back on and get everything back to working condition. Uh, Let me pause you for a birth. second and say that in a more kind of user-friendly terms because oh, that wasn't user-friendly. Okay, my bad. But user-friendly, so you want to think your hips are a bucket, right? They pour out forward. So you think about sticking your butt way out and arching your back because you got a big belly in front. So We call that club booty. (laughs) A club booty. Club booty. Charlie Melton, club booty is what he would say. Mm -hmm. So you're sticking your butt way out, which makes your hip flexor shorter. So these muscles in the very front of your hips shorter. So if you think about also what that does to the spine, there's a compression of the low back and possibly Mm -hmm. through that SI joint. It's shortened because you're like back. Do you like my sound effects? Does that help? It helps. It helps a lot. Um, so if, so to get out of that position, so now let's train out of it. So you've been in that position for a good six, eight months. I mean, something like that. Probably not. Probably not a full nine. Um, unless you're somebody like me who already has a slight, oh, let's call it slight. It's a little, <laughs> <laughs> a little more than slight. Look at a serious anterior pelvic tilt that I have fought my entire life. So, um, you know, if I get, if I sit too much, hip flexors are tight, low back is, um, low back starts hurt. This is also a reason why a lot of uh, pregnant women complain like that their butt has slid down their, their, the back of their legs. Like where did my butt go? All of a sudden a pancake butt crash. Yeah. (laughs) The dog, uh, dog wants to be part of the conversation sometimes. He's attacking his blanket for some uh want some attention but yeah when you go from that that severe anterior pelvic tilt to the point where um all of those other muscles can't really really do what they need to um yeah the the pelvis the mechanics and the the muscles around the pelvis kind of yeah those glutes eventually get kind of lazy if you will yeah, so let's start with that, and let's kind of talk about how if you're somebody that's in that position, you've got low back pain, you know that you are in an anterior pelvic tilt either before or after delivery now, because most people will find themselves in that position even if they weren't already, um, some things that you can start with to help it. Um, and I'll start why, with the first thing that I know of through some postpartum stuff is starting to understand the connection, the reconnection and reintegration of your pelvic floor to the rest of your abdominal, I guess, integration here. So the very first step should be in the first days, maybe it's the first weeks, is just elevating your feet like on the couch, possibly on the bed if it's low enough. So getting in that like tabletop position, right? Knees, mm-hmm. feet, trying to put your back flat. So tucking, pulling the abdominals in, not clenching the abdominals, but pull it, drawing them in, and then being able to breathe all the way in through and into your pelvic floor. And that's, I think that's a tough thing. It's a tough concept to get. So if you'll think about like putting your hands in the front of your pants, not your postpartum pants, 
but your <laughs> but your actual shorts. <laughs> now your postpartum. Can we say pockets? They maybe? go up to here. No. No. Postpartum pants go up to here. Oh. They should I, at least. They should. I want them to here. You want them like a turtleneck. I want to be able to roll them up to my turtleneck because if they're not tall enough, they shoot back down like a fruit roll up. <laughs> As you sit down and all of a sudden oh. your entire pants, even if they're too short, go all the way down to your hips and you plumber in it. Oh my. Anyway. Just, That's unacceptable. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, hey, maybe hander pants will figure out <laughs> some pants, some postpartum hander pants pants. Now we're talking. Postpartum. Yeah. If Not you turn it into like a onesie, perfect. then you could like keep them on with the hander pants because it's like maybe it's like a thing. I don't know. Never mind. Okay. Anyway. So laying down, breathing, hands in the front of the pants, and you want to try to breathe into and make your stomach go all the way out. So yeah. it's going to, when you're full of breath, it's going to look like you're pregnant again. And mm. not, not quite, but close to. Like your belly is going to be round and big. And for me, those first, and even now sometimes if I don't practice breathing enough, um, you'll get a tremor in there, right? You'll, hmm. You know the tremor? Probably not in the guts, but... Um, what it is, is it's trying to develop new neural patterns and new and re recruit your lower abdominals. So that recruitment has been gone. So from a, like a neurophysiology kind of aspect, they have been like your hardwiring, so to speak, your computer, you're hardwired to go to your abdominals for everything before pregnancy. But then your abdominals get stretched and you're kind of neurons or activation says, okay, that's not going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go somewhere else because I'm going to manipulate the system, right? Easiest route to go somewhere else. So now postpartum, you have to reteach the abdominals to fire. You kind of have to tell the body, Hey, they're here and we need to use them. And by breathing into it, you're going to get like a, a shake. And then you want to breathe out. As you breathe out, you want to try to draw in from the pelvic floor, pulling up and then kind of squeezing down and in. Do you have any good cues for that that you use with clients? So I tend to uh, explain to them, like when you're breathing, you don't want to you don't want to see a, a ton of expansion through your rib cage. Like That's a, really good one. a lot of people do this rib breathing where they inhale and their stomach gets smaller as they're inhaling. And it's like, no, 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 no. Think about your stomach like a balloon. When you blow up a balloon, the balloon doesn't get smaller. When you, when you blow up a balloon, the balloon gets bigger, right? So as you inhale, you want 360 degree expansion. Um, a cue that, uh, that I learned is, um, when you're laying down in that position with your legs up or if you progress to where your legs aren't elevated, it doesn't matter. Put something on your stomach, like a shoe or not something heavy, but just so that it's easier, easier for you to see that physically move that item on, on your stomach is actually moving up as you inhale and then moving down as you exhale. Um, that's a good one. I think that's super helpful. Uh, Have you ever heard the, the straw? It, um, cute. No, tell me about the straw. 
Yeah, this is, I just really want to say it's to make you a little bit extra uncomfortable, but... Um, well, I don't use straws because I don't suck at anything. <laughs> well, you should think about putting a straw in your butt. <laughs> okay. If there was a straw Go in your on. Butt, how would you suck? <laughs> You're welcome. So if you I've, think about... You got me on that one. Yeah. I, this is something I have not ever thought about. <laughs> You've but, um, not ever thought about putting a straw in your butt? I can't. Yeah, I you. cannot think of a time where I've <laughs> thought yeah. about doing that. So, straw in your butt kind of gives you the feeling of pulling in from the pelvic floor. So, if you really think about that. So, you're tightening, you're bringing everything upward. So, that would be something to practice during breathing so yeah. you want to and i have some notes here right now so some of these notes too while we're talking about it are from i have two big physical therapists that i follow and have tried to help you know some of my recovery um with some of my recovery through their education stuff mm -hmm. um, and then i have also gone to a chiropractor myself to help and have a coach have somebody work with me now I'm not a pop and crack person. I will not let him crack me. Um, I just, it doesn't crack make me... is whack. Yeah, I don't like the crack. Crack's uh, illegal. <laughs> highly, but <laughs> here nor there. Different kind, I think. Yeah. Um, but he's done a lot of dry needling. He's done a lot of really great um, stuff to help rebuild my core, to help just to make sure that I'm not compensating in other places. So mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff I've done with a coach per se. Um, but then I've also had some education. So this stuff is from a girl, her, her, um, her name on Instagram is fem, F E M dot unfolding. Uh, her first name is Laurel, but I don't know her, her last name, but that'll be something else that I think would be good to, um, to connect people to, or to get her on. Cause she's really good. Um, she actually, I think it's here in Kansas city right now. Um, but one of the big things, um, that she talks about is activating like the very first step is activating your deep deep core activating mm -hmm. your pelvic floor as well and then being able to do that while you breathe and so that was a really big one for me um initially because i couldn't even activate it for more than a couple seconds yep so creating endurance in the pelvic floor by pulling it drawing it in now not clenching it in so mm -hmm. not tightening like pulling your shoulders up, tightening your, your glutes, not the same, but yeah. being able to activate from the pelvic floor. So pelvic floor is activated right now. I bet you couldn't wait to know that. And I'm, I'm training mine right now. Okay, good. And you're still breathing though, right? So of course. Pelvic floor is there. We can take a deep breath in. We can take a deep breath out. I don't have a straw, but I, I am training it. Well, yeah, try it without the straw for now. <laughs> for now <laughs> how about forever okay forever then just just so we're clear don't ever put a straw i mean you can if you want but don't do it because we said it because that's yeah, not we're really not it. recommending that no it's it's an imaginary, imaginary. straw all right yeah. so the next thing that she talks about is um to hold the pelvic floor and deep core while you move so we can mm. do it Lying down, we can do it while we breathe. Can we do it while we move without resistance? So can we do it while we're doing 
like a bird dog? Can we do it while we're, you know, lying on the back and doing some leg extension? So can you activate it while you move? And then moving on to loading it later on. So activating the core, being able to breathe into it, doing it while you move with the assistance of gravity first. So like, can you activate the pelvic floor in different positions? Can you do it in a the bear pose? Can you do it bear pose, one leg lifted? Can you mm -hmm. do it in um, like uh, lying on the back? Can you do it during a plank? All that. Then, speaking of planks, all of those factors, we move on. Go ahead, okay. plank. I gotta, yeah, I gotta. I got to interrupt you there for a second because one of the things that I've seen is uh, recommendations that uh, you should wait like maybe up to three months before trying to plank after birth. I what are your thoughts on that? I think it depends on your level of pelvic floor and deep core activation. Mm. I think it depends on where you are in that. If you can, so I'm what, five months now, I could not do a lot for um, up until the last, probably until four months. So I really started training a little bit harder at the four month mark. Uh, started doing a little, I started trying to do push-ups. Mm -hmm. So weak, so weak right now. Modified or full blown Z's? Um, I started just doing bottom up push-ups. So like all the way to the ground on the knees and then mm -hmm. trying to activate the core, pull the hips up first, Mm -hmm. bottom up push-ups full I can do probably five full push-ups now after a month though mm -hmm. and that's after a lot of you know um all of this core breathing doing it several times a day now if my back hurts I have to lay down and start doing breathing and really feel the the transverse abdominis like stretch and come back out because it's I think in this state almost under trauma tightening yeah. places. So when I breathe into it, it starts to loosen up and it has started to um, give me some relief. Um, so I think that it depends on the stability of your core. Like, do you have a large amount of um, diastasis? Are you still mm -hmm. experiencing a lot of separation? It's not time to do a plank. Do you right. have any doming or coning when you exercise? If you have doming or coning while you're doing something, you're not creating the right intra-abdominal pressure and you shouldn't do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, and beyond that, I think once you can integrate the core into your movements, then you want to try to integrate it into everything. My, my biggest thing right now and the easiest thing I feel like to practice uh, with my core um, and integrating my pelvic floor is a, um, like a squat to press or a thruster with a med ball. Mm. And that's, 10 pounds, like really, really light, really intentional movement, really slow. As I go down, I breathe into my core and expand everything, right? Mm -hmm. Breathe into it, core comes out, and I feel all that activation. Then as I stand up, I can exhale and pull and tighten. I'm almost like a chassis, right? It comes from the bottom. It tight, Everything tightens up, mm -hmm. and then I can press overhead while creating hip stability as well with the overhead press, because that's a big one, right? As you go overhead, it's really easy to lose. That foundation. And hip stability. Yep, you end so, up arching your low back in order to, and getting excessive thoracic extension to try to compensate for that, which is no bueno. Yeah, it's a bad one. So those are kind of the big things that I've learned about 
recreating stability um, just through the core. But I think this is another one that you'll probably have some really good insight to is uh, you've got to, because to start running again, running is a single leg exercise, correct? Technically. I mean, it's hard to run on one leg only. You need, you, you don't need to, but it helps to have two legs. But yes, yes, there, there are moments of time where both legs are off the ground, but you're only on one leg. Uh, making contact with the ground at a time so yeah you could say it's single leg so I think that for you this is another good um, place for your kind of expertise talk about the um, the function of the glutes and uh, why it's important to strengthen them you know unilaterally um, especially even first before you start running why you need unilateral hip strength um, to start running because we talked about all the stretching that happens in the hips your glutes are pretty much shot after pregnancy. You you are a foundational Shut level. off. Yeah. yeah. They done. For sure. So So the the all a lot of the muscles of the hip are involved not only with locomotion but also with posture and stability. So when you're generating when you contact the ground, right? When you make contact with the ground with a foot um, regardless of whether you're landing on your heel or your midfoot, like that's irrelevant at this point. Um, when you touch the ground, the faster you're moving, the more you're generating in ground contact force. So sprinting, I think they've, they've found that it could be up to 12 times your body weight and ground reaction force. When you're walking or jogging, obviously it's much lower. We're, we're looking at, you know, maybe one to two to three times your body weight and ground reaction force. That's still a lot of force that you're generating every single step. So you've got to first and foremost be able to absorb that force and dissipate that force. Um, so the as you land, you as much as possible want, want your joints to stay stacked vertically. You want the heel and the ankle to land underneath the knee. You want the knee to be underneath the hip, the hips to be underneath the shoulders. On one leg, it's not gonna be a completely vertical line. It's gonna be slightly diagonal because most of the time you're gonna land with your foot under your center of gravity. But um, I'm probably getting off in, into so the weeds here. So you're good, practice my lap, so. Oh, okay. So you need especially the the glute max and glute med to prevent the hips from shifting off to the side, moving laterally as you land and generate ground contact force, because uh, otherwise you're leaking a ton of energy. And it's not only energy leakage, but that force has to go somewhere, right? So if your hips are, are shifted off, then your body's going to compensate with another joint elsewhere, typically moving to the same degree in the opposite direction. So what tends to happen is your foot will land underneath your center of gravity and then your knee will track medially across your midline and then your hips will go essentially the same degree away from your midline. Okay. Um, so you end up like kind of making a, a zigzag instead of staying stacked vertically. So it's extremely important not only to be able to absorb force but then a lot of those muscles also apply force, so they're locomotive as well. Um, and because the legs are working um, not only in opposition to each other, but 
on their own one at a time. If your glutes can't stabilize your hip, then you're going to feel that force into your spine. You're going to feel it into your knees. You're going to feel it into joints elsewhere. So, um, that's a really good, a really good kind of explanation to say that you've got to work on single leg glute strength mainly to stabilize the hip, to stabilize the knee as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as I think working with someone who understands running mechanics, because not only are you coming back postpartum with some joint laxity, but you're coming back also with uh, a, a lot of extra weight. So for me mm-hmm. right now, starting to run again, I'm 20 pounds above the weight that I was when I started running. Now mm-hmm. you also have to factor in the fact that my abdominals are not strengthened to the same. So I'm not going to move in coordination the same way that I did. My glutes are not as strong as they were right? mm-hmm. getting that shift. So I think remembering, first of all, biomechanics of running are important. So foot falls right under the hip, right? Mm-hmm. I had somebody explain it to me one time as you need to run like you're barefoot and it's raining outside and you left something in your car. So mm-hmm. you're going to try to run outside barefoot in the rain to get whatever is out of your car. So Mid, middle of the foot, kind of twinkle toesy, short mm-hmm. steps right under the hip. Yeah, right. and that's. That? Yeah, I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I mean people's people's running mechanics are going to be slightly different, but like there's this there's this ideal that we can all work towards, but a lot of people it's it's just going to be um, what they can handle, you know for for as long as they as they can handle it so um good one too is talking about that time under tension almost for running yeah yeah you got to ease into it uh postpartum you're you're gonna probably need to start out for a few weeks just walking i would assume you don't want to just jump right back into into running um and then the other thing that i was going to mention about the hips is um, I'm glad that you said single leg because it's not enough to train squats and deadlifts and even lunges. Like, yeah, you're you're getting that's kind of a single leg movement or a split squat. That's kind of a single leg movement, but it's almost too much in the sagittal plane. You've got to work the frontal plane and, and the transverse plane because those muscles of the hips, the glute, all the glute fibers. Uh, they not only extend the hip, but they also abduct the leg and they externally rotate the leg. And all of those, yeah, are super necessary if you want to be able to stabilize your hips and pelvis and low back. So Um, stopping you right there, talk about some exercises that do all three of those things. Gotcha. So uh, what I like to do exercises for each like external rotation, abduction, yeah. So what I like to do is I like to typically combine um, so like two of those movements um, mm-hmm. just because I'm all about, you know, in- integrating everything together. Um, like we were mentioning about, you know, breathing through the diaphragm, combining that with abdominal activation like you want to and training the muscles of the pelvic floor. You want to integrate all of that as much as you can. Obviously you have to chunk it into pieces 
uh, early on, but then as you progress, try to put them all together because that's how your body needs to work in real time, in real life. So um, glute bridges are going to be really awesome. You start out with just regular glute bridges. You can move to a single leg glute bridge. You can change how far your heel is away from your butt. And that's going to, uh, like the further your heel is away, that's more you're going to tap into hamstring. The closer it is, the more you're going to tap into just glute fibers. Um, let's say you put a band around your knees, like a mini band, and you bridge and then you uh, try to pull your knees apart. Now you're getting some external rotation with hip extension. Um, While you work your breathing. Yep. Or you could, exactly. Honestly, you can't forget about that. Um you could lay flat on your back with a band around your legs and then keep one leg completely still. Let's say the, the band is around your ankles. You're laying completely still. You're forcing one heel down into the ground, and then you're just going to pull the other leg away from you out okay. to the side. So that's just basic abduction. Um, and then you could combine those, those movements where you're bridging on one leg. Okay, So you've got your left knee bent and you're on your back, so you're gonna bridge up with your left leg, and then you could abduct and pull your right leg away. So now, it's not the same leg that you're working necessarily, but you're you're at least combining movements. So, um, there's single leg squats I think are really awesome, uh, just because you're working pretty much all three planes of motion, and so you're, you're resisting abduction and you're resisting external rotation while you train hip flexion and extension. So, um, do you think so on that, would you recommend like an elevated, like a rear foot elevated? So you're talking about when you talk about single leg, you and could, because I think that probably the majority of the population, um, especially postpartum can't do a single leg, like a true. Yeah. You're going to have to work leg. up to that. Mm -hmm. that split, split squats, unweighted. Yeah. So the progression that I would do would be like a, a split squat and then maybe a reverse lunge and then a rear foot elevated split squat or a Bulgarian split squat and then eventually progress to where you could do a, a, a quote unquote true single leg squat. But um, I'm not sure uh, you can get a lot of benefit without having to get to the true single leg squat. If your plan is to end up running, then I think it's worth working up to that point. Um, yeah, Mm -hmm. or get to the point where you can yeah you can single leg squat you can single leg hinge um that way you're you're actively training that leg to deal with your body weight doing movements that are somewhat similar to how your body will have to respond while you're running even though you're not dealing with that same level of load you're only dealing with your body weight when you're doing a single leg squat when you're running you might have to deal with three times your body weight so it's a little different but you're at least working towards um, you're working on that needs, needs analysis basis for the exercises and activities that you're trying to, trying to work back to. Let's touch that just a little bit further in that. I think that it's important. It's going to be important to single leg squat. And I agree with that. Also important to single leg, leg hinge, like a, um, so we can even kind of count a glute bridge as a type of, of hinge. Single leg hinge. Yep. Um, you can also do like a single leg, uh, deadlift. So mm -hmm. that weight as well, but also once you get those hinging and then obviously we need to work, work our rotation. So I would even encourage like standing on one leg, rotating 
um, to the side and then standing on the other leg, being able to rotate, adding resistance to that if you can through a band. Yeah. Uh, so then after you can progress through those, you're handling your load, you have a, you're stable in that load. Then I would even suggest waiting until you're stable with your body weight to move into very, very slowly running like half a mile to maybe a mile. Very low um, volume. Yep. And really slow, very yeah. slow running because remember we're increasing ground reaction forces, increasing ground reaction forces increases the force on your body in pounds per pressure. So then loading yourself. So loading your squat, loading your single leg squat, being able to load your hinges before you really increase your speed. And also mm -hmm. being able as you run at this slow speed, all that to integrate your core. So can you breathe into your core? Can you align your pelvis? So can your hips stay stacked right underneath your spine? Can your mm -hmm. shoulders stay erect? Um, can you place your foot right under your hip? Can you do all of those things while you're running slowly? And do you have the hip stability to continue to do that? Then before you start increasing your mileage, before you start increasing your pace, before you start doing any of those things to make sure you're hitting those check marks. Would you agree? I think I, I think that's especially important for somebody who's coming coming back after pregnancy, but <laughs> I think everybody needs to be able to do that. So, <laughs> and I deal with people on a daily basis who I have to do that sort of thing with, who you know have never been pregnant in their lives. So, yeah, it's, it's important. Everybody, it's important for everybody. Does this whole train wreck thing? <laughs> I mean, it really does. So, um, so a couple of things that I think, so now we've done a little bit how to training talk. I want to kind of talk through, um, really quick, like the length of time. So time is one thing that I feel like is a pressure point. So how long till you return to activity? How long until you, you know, are cleared to exercise? And yeah. I will say as someone who I was, I was very, very, a very athletic person. I don't know if I still am, but um, I know that I will be again, right? I don't know. Your arches Shut are... Shut your mouth. I knew you were going to talk about my flat feet. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I can't help it. I keep trying to tell my husband, like, I was really athletic one time. You missed out. Like, I used to be really cool. But me. you've always had flat feet. I know. Dang it. So, um, I find it hard to believe. And see, and yet I've overcome, you know? My flat feet. Imagine if I had arches. Um, so I I like to think of myself as very athletic. I was very fit going into pregnancy. I had a very easy ish pregnancy. Um, I think I had an easy. I did. I had an easy pregnancy. It was it was. I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed. It went. It was great. However, uh, at six weeks, I was like, Am I really like? Am I going to exercise? <laughs> like, <I can't> even <laughs> Everything inside me is going to fall out. How am I going to exercise? Like, there's no way. Um, so I want to take the pressure off the six-week thing. It's not, like, six weeks is not long enough. It's mm. not long enough. Um, at, at six weeks, I think at four weeks, I did a, um, a walk around, like, the block. At four weeks, and I thought my insides were going to fall out. And <laughs> it really set me back. I mean, my hips, um, like, my sit bones, my pelvic bones hurt. Um, because you know, everything is not tight in, has not tightened back up. Everything is just, 
I want to say soggy. Just soggy. soggy. It's like cornflakes that have been just sitting in milk for too long. It's tr- it's soggy. It's yeah. And it, a lot of that is because all of your organs have been pushed forward, right? Everything's mm-hmm. been pushed out and it still hasn't, your skin hasn't tightened back up. Your musculature hasn't tightened back up. So mm-hmm. pull all those things in and really tighten back up. So, um, so it's pretty normal to feel like, like I just, I walked a quarter mile and I feel terrible. Um, so I, I very often throughout this recovery process have pushed myself too hard, uh, because I just want, I want to feel normal, right? I want to feel mm-hmm. athletic again. I remember stepping, I've got something out of Aaron's truck and he's got a big F it's not jacked up or anything. It's normal F two fifty. I got them back of the truck. I got what I wanted out. And I stepped out of the back of the truck and fell to the ground. <laughs> And I was like, well, what? well, it's because my core wasn't ready to react. My Race glutes were and, weak. Yeah. And I was like, I'm never going to be athletic again. Like, I'm never, you know, I'm never going to feel like an athlete again. And that's not true. Um, but it just that takes was, time. That was three months, you know, postpartum or so. So yeah. I want, you know, people that are listening, females that are listening to remember that it, it just, it's going to take time. Again, to rewire, to hardwire everything back to where it goes. Um, and recreate the neural connections that you need in order to activate and co-activate the musculature of the deep core of the hips of the pelvis of the all of those things um, to stabilize the pelvis is going to take a lot of time Um, so it may take longer than a year to do and nobody wants to hear that you know nobody wants to hear nobody wants to hear that it may take a year year plus to lose the weight Mm. it may take that long also to regain the strength that you had the good news is and I think that you and I kind of had a little conversation about this before we started for those of you that are higher level athletes that have been pregnant or just um just delivered recently or even maybe are you know a couple years to several years postpartum um a big thing to to know is that you can rebuild everything back to the level that you were and maybe even beyond because you know your body better. Mm-hmm. You um, may have never had the time or the focus to really get into things like deep core breathing, to really, really isolate the glutes and strengthen them to bring mm-hmm. you back to better running mechanics, better jumping mechanics, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I think you, the human body is amazing and it's incredibly good at um, at adapting and compensating when it needs to and figuring out other ways to get jobs done. And the idea that, uh, you couldn't come back to a certain level of fitness or a certain uh, level of athletic performance, I think is, um, I don't think that's true. I think you definitely can. You can, you can come back just as strong. You can come back stronger. Perhaps the, uh, um, the, the potential for you to do that does not necessarily take into account other life choices, right? Like if you have kids, like maybe your priorities change, maybe your, your schedule changes, maybe other things change. That doesn't, (laughs) yes, for sure. Yes. But that doesn't mean that your body can't come back to the level that it was previously. Um, so there's, I don't know how true this is, because I've never looked into it, but it sounds really cool. 
And this oh, was a th- right. Yeah, so sounds cool. But this was something that I remember hearing on the cross-country team back when I was in college uh, about um, Soviet bloc athletes, uh, the women being forced to get pregnant so that they would come back stronger and have a higher pain threshold, um, especially in endurance sports. Like if you can handle birth, then you can probably handle more pain associated with exercise. So, you know, is that true or not? I I have no idea. I'm sure somebody knows the actual truth there and people can verify that on their own if they want to. But, um, just the idea of that, I think, um, People can handle a lot, and the human body can tolerate a lot, and it can heal. And you mean women? No, I mean people. (laughs) Men, men experience pain too. Yeah. Yeah, like (laughs) men. You'll do experience pain. Yeah. Inflict it on you, and we will. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, like. Men experience pain that women just would never understand. Like, like getting a cold. Women get colds. <laughs> um, well, I let's guess. save that. Let's save that for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving Kevin a hard time. Don't worry. Um, I agree with that. And I do want to hit one thing before we go that um, about nutrition, because we talked a little bit about this. And, um, you know, you had said that you had read somewhere, and this is kind of the problem with the postpartum period is you can read anything you want. You know what I mean? There's so much BS out there and so many ignorant people that have a YouTube channel that can say whatever they want, and it's true, right? Uh-huh. Um, but a big, and, and on top of that, there's not enough peer-reviewed articles in, in, on women's health, on women's issues, on postpartum especially, on mm-hmm. even women's sex hormones to be able to speak to this to the level that it needs to be. So um, so let's put that out there also. But uh, one big, big thing in postpartum recovery is make sure that you have adequate nutrition. Um, I know you want to get the weight off. We all want to get the weight off sooner. I want to feel like myself. I want to fit into my clothes. You know, there's so many things. But you have to remember that you have uh, I've been in almost like a car accident in some of the biggest organs and musculature in your body. And Kevin said the other day when we were talking, like, you actually had a car accident from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a big, true. big crash there. Yeah. From the it's inside. an absolute wreck to the, to the musculature of the pelvis and, um, and the abdominals. And not to mention, like, once you give birth, like, you're, you get all this rounding from breastfeeding and carrying a baby, and you just get all these new sorenesses and issues. Um, so there's a lot of tissue damage. There's a lot of things to overcome. And in order to heal, you have to have adequate nutrition. Mm-hmm. You need a high amount of fat. I mean, your fat intake should be, I mean, way above 60 grams a day. It should be very high. You should mm-hmm. be eating at least the lowest end of the recommended protein. Um, that 0.8 grams per kilogram, but should he be eating beyond that closer to one gram uh, per pound mm-hmm. after the postpartum period? Your caloric intake, and this is where it gets really tricky, but your caloric intake should be um, at least, especially if you're breastfeeding, 500, 600 calories above your normal, not your basal metabolic rate, right? 
above your activity calculated metabolic need. Maintenance level. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Above Thank maintenance. You. Yeah. yeah. Should be at least that. Um, and I think that if you are training regularly, if you're continuing weight training, even if it's 20 to 30 minutes a day of just movement, getting your heart rate up, working on your core stability, that's enough for the first few months. Because you have to remember, too, that you've done nothing or very little exercise work for at least the last trimester. Most mm -hmm. people don't continue the exercise intensity or vigor that last trimester because it's tough on the body. So now your minimal effective dose for exercise is very small. Mm -hmm. So I can get through two, um, two sets of 10 because I'm in an endurance phase, right? Because I'm trying to rebuild. So we're on foundations phase, strength and conditioning here. Uh, I can get through two sets of 10 to 15, 12 to 15 reps and be good with three to four exercises. And I'm wrecked for two to three days. I'm sore. My body hurts. I need a lot of extra sleep, which is mm -hmm. hard to get for a newborn. Um, and so you have to remember that all of these pieces kind of work together. So continue with your workouts, get your calories high, and things will start to come and fall into place. But it is it takes time. Those people that get that, they call it the snap back, right? They get your, your body snap back. I mean, they're either really lucky genetically, they um, did some really silly methods to get there. You know, they did something that probably harms them, their body, to get there to do a social media fit influencer post, um, or they're not being real about it. Um, so remember that, that you're, you're peering into to a, just a snapshot of someone's life that's probably not real. And for most people, it takes a year to a year and a half to get the, all of the weight off, and it's worth it, you know? Yeah, it's, I think it's worth getting the calories, getting the protein, getting the fat, so that you're prioritizing, like, calories and and nutrition for the baby if you're breastfeeding but then also that's the stuff that you need to heal so if you're prioritizing you know breastfeeding and healing for your body then you're going to come out way ahead versus if you're prioritizing weight loss i i totally agree with that prioritize kind of like a almost self-care sleep adequate nutrition which will give you hormonal balance, right? Mm -hmm. Help out some of those nutty hormones, uh, sleep, recovery, yeah. resistance training. It's hard to heal if you're in a calorie deficit. Right. That's where, Whether, that's what cortisol Postpartum or not. Yeah. Yeah. So why, why go down that road? But that's, I mean, having never experienced it, I can't, but right. I can't, can't speak to that. I'm not allowed because I'm a man. Diet, your body's in a state of stress. Stress does not heal tissue or build. Stress breaks down. Breaks down. Catabolic. Tissue, it is catabolic. That's right. Stress. So we want to eat enough, recover enough, all that. And then, um, you know, we didn't get time to hit on postpartum uh, depression or anything like that, but that's real. We'll have to do another one. Yeah, we can do another one. I really think that even if we um, we should get a three-person meeting going here and get, like, Genesis Wellness PT. They're on uh, Instagram. Love them. Them unfolding. Um, 
the pelvic guru. Mm. So many great ones on, I think there's a couple of them based in the UK. So that would just be fun to have. We'll need a translator for that. Probably. Yeah, Yeah, probably. So there's probably a Skype function for translation. (laughs) (laughs) Will help us understand. You sound like London. Oh, fish so, and chips. That's <laughs> a good movie. That's a good movie. That's um, hilarious to me. Anyway, anyway, we'll have to see if we can do that because then we can ask more questions. Um, yeah. I get all the questions from the people that sent me questions on my Instagram and stuff. But I'm excited to get this out, and I hope that that it helps um, some people, people like you. Oh, wait. I'm, I need all the help I can get. It? You look pregnant. I, do I? You're glowing. Yeah. Well, I must always be pregnant then. I'm always glowing. <laughs> I have a continuous glow. What a fuck. Or it's the hander pants. You know what? It's the they hand- should. They need to sponsor this podcast. As many times I am, we've said hander pants. I'm going to reach out to them. Be like, sure. hey, this podcast is brought to you by hander pants. That would be cool if I could say that legitimately. But um, anyway, this this has been really educational. It's been really fun. So, but yeah, let's uh, let's work on on uh, getting some other experts on, and we could do a little little triangle conversation. And uh, I think that'd be really cool. Me too. I think so. you can talk about your experiences with pregnancy, and then I can ask some yeah. extra questions. And my vast experience. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I think people need to hear what I have to say about it. So. I think they need to know about your <laughs> to talk about your birth story. I think you need to do it. Yeah, it's, for me, it's more of a rebirth story. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I'm too scared to ask them questions. I am afraid to talk about it. It's not a thing, y'all. I'm kidding. So the, these are the conversations that Mandy and I have. You guys are so lucky you get to experience it. Either listen or watch. More fun to watch. Um, but yeah, this is, this is how we roll. This was like grad school, basically all over again. Wow. It was, it was much more appropriate than our grad school conversations were. Slight, slightly more appropriate. I'll agree. Only slightly. That's too funny. Alrighty y'all. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Um, we will do this again in the near future. Oh, uh, what's your social media stuff so people can reach out to you? I am iron. I-R-O-N underscore L-I-L-Y. Iron Lily. That's me Perfect. on on the uh, Insta. Perfect. All right, y'all. Lots of babies sure. right now, so. It's a cute baby. So. Really cute I, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it's sure. okay. So. <laughs> awesome. All right, y'all. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.